Hello and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Socks. And I'm Lori Socks. And today we're joined again by Paul Denniston. Paul is a past guest and a friend of ours who has generously given meditations over the last year and a half. Today we're going to discuss his book, Healing Through Yoga. Healing Through Yoga is actually something that I experienced on this journey when there came a time where... Uh, I had gotten pretty beat up, you know, I mean, physically, I never really healed right from Liam's birth. And uh, just with the stress and everything that I was holding on to, I was fortunate to find a great yoga class. That's what that's what works for me. It was a hot class and, and heat has always been something that has worked for me. And as life will often give you gifts, Paul's yoga class was one of the gifts I discovered. Every day for quite some time, I I went to class and I began to see that my body was slowly healing. I was getting my strength back and, and I was able to let go of some of the things that I didn't really have words for. I think on this journey as parents and advocates and caregivers, there are so many different roles we play and so many things that we hold on to. And sometimes there, there's not a real expression maybe of what we're feeling or what we need. For me, yoga helped. Yoga helped me get beyond words uh, to a physical healing and through that physical healing, a physical release and expression. And so I was so excited when Paul wrote this book because I oftentimes thought there needs to be a book about healing through yoga because that's how I healed in so many ways. We're so excited to talk to him today about his book that was released on January 18th. It breaks down and makes that journey of healing something that we can access daily in little ways before it builds up, before it takes its toll. When we made this podcast, it was to share things that we wish we knew then. And this is definitely one of those if we knew then episodes because I would have loved to have had this book as one of my tools on this journey. And we hope you enjoy the conversation. So welcome, Paul Denniston. Hello, Paul. Hello. I'm so happy to see you this morning. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to talking about your book. Your book comes out January 18th. Right. It was supposed to come out earlier, but the supply chain backup. Yes. Right. So I always think everything comes out in perfect timing. So this is going to be great. But I had a chance to read through it earlier and I love it. It's been a labor of love. It's been a, a, a one of the most challenging creations I've ever done and, and the most meaningful one too. Well, it's funny because the first time we spoke, you do yoga that is grief yoga. And I told you since we I've known you, I've always called it healing yoga. And that's more to do with who I am as all things. I change it because for me, which I think is probably the intent of the entire uh, grief yoga series, is that for me, the word grief just held so much in it. like It just held so many connotations in it that... I myself, in order to approach things, had to call it healing. Probably one, because when our son was born, people would say, you have to grieve the child you didn't have. And I was like, to me, that just was morbid uh, because what happened to the celebration of the child I do have. So grief became something that I didn't want that word associated with my child's life at all. Though I do also believe that grief is something that we as a society really need to respect. I think that when we lose someone uh, that we're forced to, like maybe we get an afternoon off 
uh, but then we're forced to just jump right back into our lives and function as we always have and function as society does. And and any time that I've been in grief, there's just such a different um, awareness about life and a different pace that I've been at. And it's been very hard to function just amongst like, everything's going to be just how it was because for that person, it's not how it always was. So I just, I found it interesting that I, I, and I know that one time we talked about that you acknowledged that, no, I know that you're changing the word. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. And you know, you, you change it to the word healing and gosh, you know, for me, I believe that grief is an expression of love. I, I, that's, that is my way of connecting the two. I think that if we're going to experience love in this lifetime, that sometimes we're, we're going to experience loss and grief is a package deal within it. Now you, you identify with the word healing and I actually feel like healing, love, grief, they're actually all kind of in the same wheel. But I understand what you're saying because I think grief can be an intimidating term. Um, so much so that even my publisher was like, instead of calling it grief yoga, let's call it healing through yoga. Um, and I thought that that was important. Um, and But I also included in the subtitle of the book, transform loss into empowerment, because I'm a big believer too in not bypassing whatever the pain is or the grief. I don't want to, I don't want to just kind of like spiritually bypass it. I think it needs to be addressed. It needs to be with and move with, but I think that it also can be our teacher to allow us to see what's important in our lives. Absolutely. I think you're correct in that because any, any part of us that we deny, that's not going to bode well when we try to, um, stifle any emotion or feeling. And I think, I think that comes with like, like society, the way, I mean, I grew up with what grief was, the way we perceive what grief was. It, it wasn't a part of, of healing. It was, um, it was grief, right? And it was something people wanted to get through. And it's something people always, I mean, I had a friend one time say, aren't you, aren't you done with that yet? <laughs> it's just like, it's not, it's not something that, this is where we are right now. Right. And also I get that. And I mean, certainly coming from a male perspective, and I'm curious, Stephen, of what your thoughts are about this. We want to try, it's, it's uncomfortable for us to be in it too. So we want to like do something to fix the situation to, to um, what can I do to fix it? And the, the, the challenging thing sometimes with loss or grief is, is that it's not about fixing, but sometimes just allow yourself to be with it. Um, that can actually be the healing aspect of it in that space. Well, that's not how I uh, grew up uh, dealing with grief. I, it wasn't about being with it. I mean, it was really trying to get it away. Rising above it. Avoiding it. Yeah. Or suppressing it. Or maybe, you know, don't, don't, you know, men aren't supposed to cry. Go do something about it. And I also think that sometimes you know, grief is an anger are, are similar. I think that some anger can be grief's bodyguard. And then yet, you know, for my sister, uh, you know, she wasn't taught that, you know, girls are supposed to be angry. And so what would happen with that? And for myself too, is, is then it gets turned inward and it gets suppressed and we can be cruel and harder on ourselves than anybody else is too. Do you want to talk about your sister? My sister passed away from cancer um, about four years ago, and I dedicate this book and this work to her. Um, you know, she was kind of my best friend growing up. Her name was Ella. And, uh, you know, I remember a dark night of the soul when I was present with her in her hospital room and seeing how much pain she was in. And there were parts where I had to, like, be with her in that pain and to, you know, to hold her hand. Um, but I also knew that that pain demand expression too. Um, and so there were practices that I even did with her in the hospital where we would use breath, we would use movement and we would use sound as in the vibration of her voice to help her to release what was suppressed. A lot of that was, was anger. It could have been anger, anger at God for feeling like, you know, you betrayed me. I thought you were going to heal me. Uh, a lot of it could be um, grief about my body. It's not, you know, living up to the, what I thought it was going to be. So 
the work that I kind of created and, and did with this work is, is a little bit about instead of suppressing or avoiding, which is what we normally tend to do with these challenging emotions, what if we channeled it in empowering ways that can help to support the vulnerability of, of love, of loss, of grief? Um, but I think that in order to do that, we need to tap into our power to hold that vulnerability. Well, what you just said then, you know, your sister was going through cancer. We know people who are going through treatment for cancer or for other things. And the truth is what we put on them is you can do it or you're a warrior or you're so strong, you overcome it. And we need to allow them also to express their anger to ex to express the other emotions because on the outside i am just trying to will their bodies healthy i don't want to think about life without them right and so what are we putting on them that while they're fighting this fight and it's a and it's a most treatments against any most aggressive treatments are so hard on our bodies we're also putting on them, we're, we're kind of putting a, a responsibility on them when they need freedom to experience what they're experiencing, right? We're, we're kind of maybe putting our fears or our denial of fears instead of honoring, where are you? Do you how do you really feel? Do you want to scream? If you scream right now, it doesn't mean that you're giving up. It means that you're, you get to acknowledge and feel the entire gamut of emotions that you're feeling. Right. And I think it's normal for both the person witnessing the, the loved one going through cancer or just the person who's going through it. There's a sense of sometimes a helplessness, you know, and a hopelessness, you know, I, there's a, there's a lack of control. My body is doing something that I, I don't have control over and I'm, I don't know what to do. And, you know, one of the things that I, I witnessed with my sister is, is that in some ways, you know, she needed us to be positive in a way to, to hold space for her. She didn't want uh, us to talk about her death, um, but she wanted, she, she did need support though in the moment. And for, for her, that support really could be just, I'm here for you. I, I don't, I, I don't understand what this is like for you, but I just want you to know I'm I'm here and you know I, I'm I'm a good listener. And and then for me then to feel like I don't have to fix her, sometimes just by sitting and listening if she needs to share or talk, that I'm I'm here for her. Um so that goes, but I but you know, being a yoga teacher, there's a sense of balance and that's a space of being. But there's also a place of we need to do something with this too. And I'm a big believer of mind-body connection. And so I'm absolutely in agreement about let's release this anger. And that's why I specifically created these somatic techniques in order to release it because, um, you know, we don't want to hold on to it. Uh, that bitterness and disease is creating a sense of discomfort. And so I, I want to channel it out, but I also want to make space for, you know, as I teach this to cancer support centers, space for laughter, you know, laughter yoga, laughter techniques that can also help us to say, we're going to tap into grief and loss. We're going to move anger through, and yet happiness is also our birthright. So what are some laughter yoga techniques that can lift my spirit too? These are all expressions of who we are, these emotions, and yet we judge specific emotions, grief, bad, happiness, good, you know, anger, dangerous, um, being blessed and grateful, good. What if instead, you know, because as children, we didn't necessarily, we just felt them and moved on to the next thing. But I think that, you know, we're programmed as adults to say, you know, to judge specific emotions. And the, the, the intention within this work using a mind-body-spirit approach is to say, why don't we just feel and use these techniques to take whatever is suppressed and help it to move through? And grief, we, we spoke about grief with, you know, your sister and going through cancer. Grief is something that we experience all around. 
in, in so many different ways every day. I think we're experiencing it in this pandemic. Right. You know, there's a space of uncertainty that we're experiencing. I think that there's a loss within this pandemic of things that we thought were going to happen, uh, dreams that we thought were going to be. Um, you know, I think that we're, we're going through a community of a, a global thing where it's connecting us in this way. And so um, grief can be anything from, I thought my I was going to have a better relationship with my parents and they could still be alive. Grief could be anything from, you know, I've lost my job. I've, I'm not going to have uh, the, the dreams that I had hoped or thought would be um, aren't going to happen. I mean, grief can be of like my body isn't functioning the way that I it did before. So I, I think it's 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 really a, a reflection of, of loss and of what we love. But to also recognize that I can, I can still feel that sadness, but I also recognize I'm still alive. My life matters. My sister life mattered. What can I bring that was a part of her into my life now and share it with others? So that love still lives on. When you say to feel. Yeah. It goes against a lot that I was brought up with, and I think that's the great message I'm getting from you is that, is that I'm allowed to feel as as a. What's scary to feel for you? I think I I I grew up, and I probably put it on myself that if I was in a relationship and there were feelings to deal with, you know, I mean, even using the word deal with or channel, I mean, that's these. What are, kind of feelings are you talking about? Well, it could be fear if someone else is having feelings of, of fear or pain, that I was the fixer. I needed to fix that. You know, it was my responsibility to make it better. And by doing that, at least this is how I would do it, I would go on a professional mode and not deal with my own feelings until maybe after, or maybe never, I'm not sure. But I can think of times in my life where I would put myself to the side and I realized that that isn't good. And I could also listen more instead of just, I got to do and fix. Because then you kind of sometimes get in your own way. I've done this with Lori before where I've done the wrong things because I'm just trying to do something, right? Just throw it out there and you kind of trip over yourself. So if you can experience and feel together and listen uh, that's, that's the way to do it. I mean, I'm a, almost 50 and I, I'm doing that. I don't know if this is what, does everyone know this? <laughs> no, I, and I can totally resonate with what you're saying about, you know, just as a, as a man, we're tended to want to be able to fix things. And it wasn't until me doing this work about how, gosh, you know what? Part of the fixing is actually just being and listening and witnessing that that actually is part of that role. And it, it goes against our thinking in a way, because we, we, we think of it as something that's about action. But what we're talking about now is, is that, that, that space of being and witnessing and listening, it does take us to a deeper place of feeling. And, um, and uh, it sounds also, you know, Stephen, like you're, you're a bit in an empath. And so one of the things that is also important to do is, is to not abandon yourself in the process, that you can hold space and listen, but then when you feel like you're losing sense and touch with yourself, here's something I do. I literally find my center. I bring my hands to my core and I'll observe my breath just because that sense of like hands at the belly is where our solar plexus is to help me center. I will literally feel myself grounded and rooted I feel my sit bones in my chair. Um, I'm, I'm wiggling my toes to help me get grounded to the earth. I bring myself back to my breath. These are techniques that I tap into when I'm losing a sense of myself so I can feel centered. Um, but if also you're working or, or dealing with people who are triggered or feeling, you know, they're traumatized by something, just coming back to those three resources of foundation, Core and breath can almost be like it's a, a life raft when it feels like we might be drowning. So the first thing I want to do is take the stigma away from grief and the limits where we feel like we're allowed to feel grief, right? Grief is something that we can feel 
every day in different ways for different things. It's not just. And you can exchange grief with sadness if you want to. Sadness. So when we feel sadness, I think that's something that people can own easier than grief. And I think that's, I think that's the discussion that we had last time was the very first thing you have to do is to acknowledge, right? You can't keep this feeling of emotion uh, in the darkness. You have to, you have to really acknowledge. And for me, I feel like in life, I can start to see like different behaviors and, uh, and I'll say it's because I'm, I'm trying to deny something exists. I'm trying to deny a feeling or a thought or anything that would be less than, I'll use it, less than perfect. Not that I'm perfect in any way, but you know, you have a certain intent for yourself that sometimes the, the sadness or the grief or the other things that you were saying, like that are labeled, not necessarily good. Uh, we want to, or I want to just shift my focus. Yeah. Or, you know, when you deny it, deny there is a, an actual space of grace within denial because it might be more than we can handle in the moment. And so what comes for us in that moment is, is that we we're going to like, I can't deal with this now. I'm going to push it away. And so there is, I guess, a grace in that. But I also recognize if we're going back to the word healing, yes, I believe the first step of healing is, is to acknowledge and to accept what is. And it doesn't mean we have to like it, but it means it's just an acknowledgement and accepting of this is what's going on here now. So when Liam was born, we were told, grieve the child you don't have. And immediately that word became my arch nemesis. I'm not getting grief. And what you just said, and I think what I did was I was like, I'm going to just push that over here because it wasn't, it was presented to me like everything on, and I know you hate the word everything, but it's true. Like anything negative that we've been given has been presented to us in a way of this is just what it is. It's people forcing their beliefs of grief onto you too. Like this is the way that you're supposed to grieve. And you're like, don't tell me to grieve that way. That's not how I feel. Yeah. So I think that, you know, grief is as unique as our fingerprint. And so when someone tells you, like, I, I, I know of someone who's like, you have to be angry at this, or you have to, you know, it's like, don't force anybody, just let them experience what they need to experience. That's spot on because I wanted to, at that point, I wanted to celebrate my son. He was in the NICU fighting for his life. And I just was like, why am I, I don't, the word, first of all, when my child is in the NICU fighting for his life, do not present the word grief to me because that word is so connected with death that I think that probably was one of the other like reactions that I had was like, "Mm -mm, we're not doing that. We're going to be right here. My son is fighting really, really hard. And so I think that's what I did with that. The entire word was it became everything that I advocate against, (laughs) you know, like don't tell parents to grieve their child. They have a beautiful child. And when you do that, it puts such a weight on them and a predetermination on who their child is. And so I pushed that, I would say I pushed that away that I'm not even going to address it. And it really has only been in maybe the last year. I still don't think that should be said to any person because what do I grieve the person I'm not? No, (laughs) you were taught to celebrate who we are and that we all have these individual gifts and our life and our journey. So I don't know if I'll ever say I'm going to grieve the child (laughs) that I'm not going to like meet Paul and go, hi, Paul, I'm going to grieve who you're not. No, I'm going to celebrate who you are. That's just how I feel. But I think because it was presented in such a way, I really pushed that I was supposed to feel any of that so far away from me. And it wasn't until the last couple of years that I could say, okay, I can feel all of the emotions, the emotion that maybe my my son was given a diagnosis that I knew nothing about. That's fear of the unknown. Uh, the fact that all the information was given that was given to me was so negative and overwhelmingly uh, limited and frightening. And there's that that fear of the voice that's coming at me. All of that was exterior from who my son actually is. All of that was 
really wasn't connected with what the extra chromosome was. But receiving those words, it did cause it did a disconnect that perhaps if I wouldn't have been so disconnected, perhaps if I would have been able to take that person's words and been detached from any weight that I perceived, maybe I would have gone to some self-advocating groups. Maybe I would have introduced myself at Club 21. Maybe I wouldn't have scurried in and out of the grocery store, head down, (laughs) hood on so nobody would talk to me. You know, maybe those things wouldn't have happened because I just was automatically put on this place of defense. And it was because of the weight of the word. The weight of the word, grief the child that you will never have. Do you experience and feel sadness? From Liam's diagnosis, I think we felt simultaneously fear and sadness because he was born so early and fighting for his life. So there was a, we we felt fortunate that the the diagnosis didn't really, that wasn't our focus. Our focus was live. When When we got the diagnosis, I definitely, you know, was shocked and I was I don't know if saddened I don't even think sadness is the like it's just fear I think it was fear but it would let's be honest here because the way it was it was it was one of those we 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 got phone calls every morning from the NICU and this phone call was just the tone of the nurse the I have something to tell you but I can't tell you you're gonna have to come in and talk to the doctor face to face and I'm like well, why can't he just tell us on the something? What is it? And automatically, I'm like, Liam died. So my heart dropped. And she was like, no, you have to talk to him face to face. And I was just like, no, what you just did is unfair. Put him on the phone. He can tell me on the phone because I can't carry this. Seeing your loved one, any loved one, but my child fight for his life. And then to put that, we know those conversations. Like I, one of my pet peeves is when someone says, mm, we have to, I have to tell you something. I'm like, tell me now. <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't do that. I'm going to wait till you tell me something. You're going to, if you had the energy to say, I have to tell you something, follow up with what you have to tell me. Cause that, and that's my flaw. I'm sorry. No, I, I would be the same way. It's like, what are you waiting for? Now my mind's just going to go into a dark place about this. Yeah. Right. Tell me I've, yeah. I've got to get dressed, get in my car, drive to West Hills and do all of these things before I can't handle that much stress over that much period of time. So when the doctor did concede to get on the phone, I mean, it was so morbid. I mean, to me, the extra chromosome was so much less than the fact that my son was born 10 weeks early and was fighting to develop and do all of these things that he should have done within my body. Like what he was actually going through And so if this thing that they're telling me weighs more than that, I was just like, there's more. It was presented as almost nearly an equal plateau of he could die of death. Yeah, Yeah. it was. so. That's kind of where the grieve the child you didn't have, where it was like, okay, what you thought you had is dead. It's so lame. But that's how it's presented. And the thing is, if I was told I was going to get the diagnosis, that's how I would have thought as well. I would have been like, oh, this is bad. This is really bad news. It wasn't until after we experienced Liam and that we understand truly what the news means. But that's just how I learned from society growing up what, what it meant, you know, and that's, it was the same as what the doctor felt. You know, the doctor's presenting this. He's done it before, probably. He's presenting this news and it's not up at all. There's nothing up about it. Well, it it also just goes to show you how we all grieve differently in a way. So for the person who suggested that you grieve the child that you were supposed to have, perhaps that was a technique that worked for her. Um, Perhaps, you know, but, but it's like, that's not your thing. So it's like, we all have to develop and understand, uh, you know, from hearing um, what the two of you talked about, um, it would be more about releasing fear, releasing maybe uh, anger or or worry. That would be the area that I would go into, like with work with with y'all. See, see, the thing is, is that, and I when I created this practice of grief yoga, what I started to learn was it really was it went beyond grief. It's like whatever your struggle is. And for 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 the what I hear the two of you talking about the struggle was was really about fear, and um, some people take uh, you know for them it's about anger, which is really what the is fear is the source of that anger. It's it's really um, it's really about fear. So 
Um, it's really about channeling the struggle to help us to remember with more love, to have the, you know, and, and Laura, you positively can go to that, that, that positive space. Um, but also I, I, I'm just a believer of like, it's important to not bypass that, to make sure that we move that through too. And, and I want to talk about also, because you say anger, and we do get angry. We get angry about limits that are put on our child. There's a fire with anger that can create dramatic change. And, you know, there's a way to channel it that can be very positive. I mean, uh, there are many um, activists that use anger as a, as a powerful tool. So I'm a big believer because I used to think that anger was dangerous and I suppressed it. Um, that I have learned within this work that if you can channel it in the right ways, it can cause powerful transformation. And it's your teacher to say, this is not cool with me. Enough is enough. And it helps me to take a stand. So it's really about how you use it. Is that in the book? Yeah, it's about using anger as fuel for healing. And that's all within expression. And expression is, that's the second Part, you know, we, you talked about kind of the space of acceptance of, of what is, but expression also then takes a space of like, let's channel and move the pain through, whether that's anger, whether that's fear, whether that's, you know, guilt, um, whatever that is, and, and you're holding on to it in your body. So how can we move it through in powerful yet compassionate ways? So we talked about grief and we can embrace grief as just one of the uh, feelings that we have, just like we have every feeling in our day. If we want to take the stigma away from the word grief and we can just say there's a sadness there, that might be more digestible. Most of our challenges have been through like the educational system and those can be overwhelming and stressful. Uh, what I love about the book, The Mind-Body Connection is because uh, I want to talk about your book. We've talked so much about it. <laughs> I want to I want to talk about this book because I, I think it's a great tool. I think it's something that we can have and read and then reference of a healthy, nurturing behavior and place to go. And there's there's so many really great tools in here. You break it down by awareness, which is one of the things we've discussed, expression, connection, surrender, evolution, transformation, and then afterwards finding hope. What I, I loved reading through the book is on each of those chapters, you talk about uh, different experiences, and then you give different exercises. Right. So... I think that it's important when we're in pain and struggle to have as many resources as possible. And the thing is, is that as we uh, go through life, it might meet specific places on this cycle of compassionate transformation that you just described, awareness, expression, connection, surrender, evolution. We might, you know, like today, let's, let's say today, oh, I'm so, I'm so stressed. I've got so much on my plate perhaps in that space, then surrender could be a possible place that could support you at that time. And surrender, let's say, is this place that uses uh, the body to gently stretch, to help deepen the breath, just ways to uh, get more grounded, ways to find restoration. Or let's say that you're in a place where you're feeling disconnected, you're alone, you feel like there's nobody here to support you the space of connection that in that chapter and techniques and exercises are ways to uh, find flowing meditations uh, to help guide us towards more love, more grace, more gratitude. Um, but there are also ways for us to witness, you know, what's going on within us and ways to find connection within ourselves uh, through others and through spirit. So, you know, when I teach a class, it goes through all of those, um, but for the reader in this book experience, it can help them to say, where am I at today? What would support me today? And then to do that, like one of the final chapters, evolution, it goes, you know, I've gone through, you know, I'm, I've experienced this loss and here's techniques that can help me to tap into perseverance, play and purpose to help me to 
keep going, to help me to, um, I recognize that I've had this loss, but um, I'm still going to live and I'm still going to make something meaningful from this. So it explores those themes, but it also explores ways to bring that mind-body connection to help lift the spirit. You call each of these chapters, it's the cycle of compassionate transformation. Correct. Do you want to go through each chapter and just and explain what each facet is? Yeah. Awareness is, is about deepening the breath, getting curious about sensations in the body, beginning to identify what's the pain, what's the struggle that I'm going through today, and then awareness gives techniques on how to begin to gently move the body, move the spine and deepen the breath. Now, within each of these chapters too, I go into cases that I had with particular students and and we talk about specific reasonings behind this, but really the first step is, is how to befriend the body and find ways to safely move the body, which then leads us to the second step, which is about expression. Now, with an expression, it's about taking whatever the pain is and using movement, breath, and sound to channel the pain through in empowering ways. It's like, I don't want to hold on to this struggle, this fear, this anger, this worry, this sadness. Let's move it through. It's I, I sometimes think of it like, you know, our body holds on to pain and trauma and grief. I literally think of it like it's a, like, what if we had a cup? And what if we could empty the cup out, all of the, the, the crap that we're holding on to, to where then we bring the cup, and that's a bar, part of what expression is, is about releasing it, to then we can put the cup down. And then the next step, which is about connection, is, is like, what can we use to fill ourselves up? And connection or flowing meditations, tapping us into love, gratitude, and grace, uh, they are flowing meditations that help us to embrace techniques to help us to connect with loving kindness to ourself, ways to connect with others and connect to spirit. And then the next step is, is about surrender. And surrender is a softening and a letting go. It's a way, you know, if you've gone to a yoga class, it's kind of near the end when you start to find restoration. It's meant to say, you know, how can I soften here? Um, how can I let go? And it is using techniques that are meant to just soften. There's no need to hold on to the pain, but I can, I can be present to the love and soften the body and deepen the breath and ways to, to stretch the body in those ways. And then the next step is evolution. Now what? It's, it's literally sometimes once you get off your mat, it's like, okay, it's almost like it's a new beginning. And it's like, now what? And that can be anything from, can I create something beautiful from this devastation, meaningful? Um, sometimes it taps us into powerful movement, breath, and sound that can tap us into courage to move forward. It can, it can incorporate laughter to recognize that even within this loss, that laughter is still possible. And it helps us to also tap into techniques that can connect us to purpose. Um, and I think that sometimes when we've experienced loss, maybe our purpose has changed and shifted and, and having a sense of purpose can help guide us forward. That's the cycle. And then finally, the last chapter, which is about transformation, they are flows that take all of the techniques and exercises and blend them together to where you can have that experience at home that you can kind of move through. And they're designed for specific instances, whether it's uh, transform uh, anger into purpose or transform depression into hope or transform sadness into love. These are transformational flows that identify what you're going through. Maybe it's guilt, transform guilt into grace. They take the problem and then they use the techniques within the book for a specific intention to move through. When you were talking about evolution, you have a quote, because you have a quote with each chapter. And I love the quote that you have under evolution, because just as you were saying, part of this quote is, you will be whole again, but you will never be the same, nor should you be the same, nor would you want to. And I love that because it's, 
we've been changed by this experience in a way that we couldn't ever imagine. And we would never want to, to go back. I was thinking that I met you in a yoga class. And, you know, coming off of, uh, I think, I think I met you, I think Liam may have been one years old when I just when I finally went into doing yoga. And one thing that connected me to the yoga was I found that the experience that I was having and that came from the diagnosis and then just all these things that were put upon me, you know, just going to a park and having strangers say things to me, um, the way it was received, the diagnosis was received from friends or family or, you know, just different experiences and then still functioning as a mother and a wife now with two children and having to navigate all of that. I went into yoga uh, and I, my, my body was pretty beaten up at the time. And one thing that I always tell people, because some people, you know, they say yoga is not for me or they don't do yoga or, you know, whatever it is. But the one thing that yoga allowed me to do, and I think it comes from what you were saying is yoga is the yoking of body and mind, is that the, the emotions and thoughts and words and feelings that I either couldn't express I didn't, I didn't want to express maybe with Stephen because he was going through the same journey as I was and I didn't want to add to anything. Also, there's this, this weight that we put on ourselves. I discussed this with Melissa Kainach in one of our interviews is, is as a, as a mother, like you want to, because people say, oh, how do you do this? You create this perception to yourself that I have to be doing this at all times and I cannot show weakness or they'll be right. And so I went into a yoga class with this mental and physical uh, manifestation of not my child who had an extra chromosome, but everything that I was experiencing. And it allowed me to go deep in and express what I could not express with my words. Like I just, I was able to, and heal my body. It, It healed my body by letting go. And I thought, and that's how we met. That's the way. And I, I would, I went to your class just every, I just, I loved the healing that it provided. And and I was just thinking when you were talking is I, I told Stephen, I was like, I just, I want to write a book called healing through yoga. I think there has to be a book of how this yoga healed me. And as you were talking, I was like, well, didn't that just come off perfectly? <laughs> <laughs> didn't that just come together all together perfectly? Because I, I feel like once I was doing it for a certain amount of time, I just, my, my body became strong again and not because of some exterior that I was putting on myself, uh, an exterior definition of what strength is. And I was lighter. I was lighter because I was letting go daily. And I would, and I did, I remember I went daily to yoga class and I would let go daily of, you know, if I experienced something at drop off, if I experienced something in the grocery store, if I got something from here or there, or, you know, from, from just me observing my son saying, oh, when will he hit this milestone or, you know, just pushing, pushing, uh, I was able to, I guess, it, no, I don't want to say go above because we're talking about like, maybe move through. Yeah, I was able to move through without a label or title or, you know, determination. I just, I went there because I was like, I was pretty, pretty broken. And and yoga approaches things from a compassionate space. That's the heart of what that practice is about. And it's also recognizing how much that we're living up in our head for a majority of the day. And we need that sense of, you know, healing needs motion. We need that, that movement in that with the body. Yeah, we need to express it and and let it go. And and it's amazing. Like if you're a runner, I love to run and a good run can get me through any morning challenge. Uh, it, there's a physical release that we just need. That's the thing. If, for like for people who are like, yeah, I'm not so big on the yoga. It's like, well, what kind of movement works for you? Whether that's a run, whether that's kickboxing, whether that's something that is a, a, a dance at your home, you know, whatever whatever your specific part of movement is about, how can you find that movement hiking, you know? Well, if we're taking the stigma off of grief, 
the word grief. Let's take the stigma off of whatever perception someone might have of the word yoga. I, I got to tell you, I, I also am like this practice uh, that I have created. It's not about physical flexibility. It's about emotional liberation. So it's not really this particular practice. It's not about putting the, the, the student in a pretzel. It's not intended for that. It's more about how can we express and release so we can feel more liberated. That's the, that's the true intention within it. Every chapter has different uh, exercises that you do at home that you can do at home. That's what it's meant for. Is- From your chair or yoga mat or standing. Totally. And honestly, the exercises, you look at them and you may look at them and go, how is that going to help? Do one. And you're going to be like, oh, wow, that really did. It's, a, it's amazing. Like if we can just, I, if we can just see that we, we, we've been really working on seeing others and seeing things like see what's before us. If you could just see that and be open to it and do it. I'm, I'm telling you, that's why this, this book and, and everything that you do with healing it really resonates strong in me because before there was a name to it, before it was written down as this is what we do, I experienced it. I experienced it every day that I went into your yoga class. I mean, at the studio, there were other teachers too, but every time I went into your yoga class, you were teaching it without a label or a, a, a book on it. You would just teach and it was very inviting and welcoming and every class was healing. I remember like whatever I was doing Thursday morning, I was like, I need to make sure that I, I'm no, that's the one class that was not open to a PTA meeting taking over. It's just like, I have, I have a class to go to. I have healing. And I remember, you know, what, what for me healing was one time in a yoga class was I was like, I was overwhelmed. And I remember laying down for the entire yoga class. And I, I knew other people were doing all these warrior postures around me. And it was weird for me because inviting myself to just say, I'm going to rest here. And it was almost like giving myself permission to say, it's okay to take a break. I'm showing up. And I'm also taking time to just do what my body needs. And that was simplifying what everybody else was doing. For me in that moment, that was healing. Well, it's a fascinating concept uh, to think about emotion connected to physical expression because it's undeniable. I mean, I think more of a scientific brain possibly, but there are things and positions and mannerisms I project when I'm in a certain emotional state. Mm -hmm. So it would just make sense that if I'm stressed and curled up in a ball in a, in a, in the way I was in the womb in a fetal position, then that is a manifestation physically of what my emotions are. And so to be able to use these poses that are simple, natural poses of your body mm-hmm. and just how you're, there's only a certain, so many positions each joint can be in. So these are, these are set in us as we've evolved as humans. These are positions that are natural to us. So to, Use that to embrace your emotion, right? And to and embody it, move through and embody it. Yeah, I think that's why this book is so important to me because our podcast is called "If We Knew Then," and there were a couple years where I just tried to just push through and become like this warrior and advocate and all of these things just from the inside without help because help was I didn't want to ask for help because if I asked for help that meant that I wasn't like that I needed help, which meant that this was as challenging as people were saying. And I just, I, I experienced this book. What is in this book? I experienced firsthand. And I just always wanted to like give that gift. Like I just wanted to give that gift that it took me so long to find. And I wanted to be able to give that gift to others that were on this journey because I didn't know about it. And I found it by absolutely by chance. Um, I was able to I not only heal like physically, but just, I don't just to find peace to where when I, I went into the world and had these challenges come my way, I was able to, I would take like, you know, cause there's always a message in every class, you'd always bring like a little mantra to class. And I take that I take that mantra with me through my day. And it was amazing how I could just apply it to like, whatever that challenge was on my journey. And it I don't know what to say, it it gave me freedom, it, it gave me the ability to actually be present in what my journey actually was. And you know, it's interesting, because you, you had said the word, you know, something that it might be hard for you to ask for help. 
And one of the mantras that I use, especially when I'm struggling, is, is just the mantra of help me. It can be to someone who might be there to support me. Help me can be a prayer of like, I can't hold on to this anymore. So I think that sometimes, you know, we might perceive as asking for help as a sign of weakness, but there is in a way a sense of like surrender and opening that can help when we just use that mantra of help me. And I think sometimes we can be embarrassed by needing help. Sure. We all need help. We're all struggling in our own way. And the interesting thing is, is that sometimes by asking from help for someone else, it can actually create the space where it's a gift to them. They might be getting something off of supporting you that, that you might not even realize. I mean, and, and we have to be, I guess, selective. Some people might not want to help us, but to not be afraid to ask for it, especially when our burden is too heavy. And again, that help me can also be even just a whisper and a prayer too. Well, I love this book because it breaks down chapter by chapter, a journey of healing through yoga. And one of the things I wanted to do to help the, the reader embody it more is for anybody who purchases the book, they get a free companion course that can kind of take them through the experience. It's an online companion course for anybody who purchases the book. And uh, it's a three week experience to help your book reading experience. And uh, they can find out that on healingthroughyoga.com. The reason why I love it is because it breaks down this healing process chapter by chapter, step by step. And uh, it doesn't have to happen all at once. And it can be in the, you don't have to take a block of time uh, and go somewhere and have it done. You can do it in the privacy of your own home or in your own space or in a field or a park or wherever supports you. And and I love that. And that's the thing. We, we need support at this time. We're all struggling in our own way. And to have as many resources that can support us is very important. So that's kind of what this this is intended for, just a way to offer resources and support to help the mind and the body connection. Thank you so much for giving us your morning, Paul. It's always so wonderful to talk to you. Oh, thank you, Lori. Thank you, Stephen. It's my pleasure. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod, and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod, or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Amazon.